Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Healthy Mind Healthy Life the podcast that is dedicated to helping you unlock your full potential and live a life of balance and well-being so i am your host avik and today we have a truly exceptional guest joining us so our guest today is someone whose work has touched the lives of many and guiding them on a journey of self discovery and the empowerment So I'm thrilled to introduce Dennis Maselli. So welcome to the show, Dennis. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and excited to share um, a little bit about my journey and how I came to um, be helping others with this uh, very important personal work. Exactly. Exactly. But before we delve deep into this topic, I would love to mention all of our listeners about Dennis. So, uh, so. So Dennis is a captivating and compassionate guide, coach and the mentor. So she is a true luminary in the world of transformative change and the personal growth. So her expertise uh, in energy healing and intuitive hot seat coaching. So it's it's a great uh, term it's hot seat coaching and innovative approaches to authenticity has empowered countless of individuals to embrace self awareness and embark on a profound journey of healing and the transformation so through her unique ability to make complex concepts accessible she facilitates natural learning experiences that resonate deeply with her audiences so she is a prolific creator of transformative content including the articles audio recordings videos and the healing collective and all designed to inspire and engage others in their personal growth spirituality and the pursuit of their dreams lives so like but what sets her apart is her profound empathy and the intuitive gift just finally i mean finally attuned to helping others connect with their soul's purpose so she empowers individuals to heal and unleash their infinite potential by fostering a supportive environment using her signature blend of conscious and subconscious healing so her journey to the transformative work is nothing short of remarkable so she overcame like challenging experiences and also transcended the emotional patterns that uh, 
that her authentic self also stiffened. So her personal transformation through the subconscious healing inspired her to share this powerful modality with the other. So today she will share her insights, experiences and the wisdom with us. So shedding light on the path to soul alignment and also the profound impact it can have on our lives. So without further ado, let's dive into this enlightening conversation with the incredible Dennis. So welcome to the show, Dennis. Thank you so much for that lovely um, introduction. Yes, I I am just so um, excited to share, you know, how, uh, as you mentioned, the, the journey that I took uh, unfolded into something that I really had no idea was coming. Um, but it's it's been really powerful so i guess i can start there is you know to kind of set the foundation of uh how i came to learn this uh this method and how it really you know has become the culmination of my of my life's work so um growing up i had a, a difficult time um, I didn't know it then, but I always had a very se highly sensitive personality. And so growing up in a um, chaotic environment, I, you know, was very in tune with everyone around me. And I became sort of a guide, even as a young person of, you know, adults coming to me for advice. And, you know, um, when things would get chaotic, uh, I was kind of the mother figure even as a child so uh, i found meditation very young and so i believe that that kind of is the thread that goes all the way through is that you know when you have a tool like that um you can calm yourself and center yourself and really allow yourself to be open to you know another way of thinking another way of looking at your situation so that you can progress through it and grow through it so i really you know as a uh, young child I, I was in a catholic school and i have pictures of myself lying in the grass in my uniform meditating so you can just imagine the catholic nuns you know were like what the heck is going on here but it was really truly the way that i managed to get through was to quiet my mind and so I will say that is really the foundation is no matter what path you take, it's, it's such a crazy world right now that if we don't have tools like that, you know, it becomes very difficult to know who we are. And so when people are unhappy, it's like, how do I even begin to change? So through that process of, you know, having to deal with, um, you know, not always feeling seen or heard and also feeling like a rescuer, like the caretaker of the family. I, you know, was very interested in psychology. I remember buying the, the book Transcendental Meditation. That was like the big book back then uh, to, to date myself. But that really was um, the beginning. And so I was able to, you know, step out of the events that were going on and see that there was something else that I was supposed to be doing, even though I love my family and I wanted to help my family. I realized that I really had, you know, this deeper self that wanted something for 
me, you know, and, uh, you know, at the risk of, of feeling selfish, it was that quieting of my mind that made me realize, you know, I really do need to think about what I want to do. And as I did that, um, you know, and of course, then I didn't know subconscious conscious, but it was a conscious choice to go into a college education. And my family, no one had been to college so they were not happy to hear this you know so my attempts to really align with my soul and find my purpose were met with um you know some degree of, of resistance from outside of myself because it was like well why are you doing this to me you know it, that's how my family reacted because they didn't want me to go away and so i you know i guess when you kind of grow in that environment and that's the whole purpose to to explain it is that you kind of build a bit of resiliency right you uh learn that you know sometimes you have to make the difficult choice even though like it felt good to help them i realized that my a lot of my energy was going to helping them and holding everything up and so I, I did persist and I did go away to college and it was difficult, but it was kind of the beginning of building that muscle of listening to that intuition, to knowing that, you know, it, it is good to help people, but if you don't really take care of yourself first, you know, like they say on the airplane, you know, put your mask on first. I was then able to uncover wow, I am really smart. I always had teachers telling me I was really smart. And, you know, my family would be like, oh, she just is smart. She doesn't even have to study. I was like, I'm over here studying, you know? So it was like, I didn't really feel seen in my family environment. And yet I knew there was something more for me. So that's where I think, you know, looking back now, I can say, okay, I was highly sensitive. I was intuitive. And I was somehow strong enough amidst all of that to find the will to push against it right and sometimes that's the hardest thing that i find with my clients is that they want to change but there's so much around them holding up the old version of themselves that you know they don't want to displease people and they don't want to um you know create waves or you know and and you know if many of us who have done work on ourselves that that is often the biggest resistance right people say oh i don't i don't want to draw a boundary you know i'm afraid that the person won't you know treat me the same anymore or they'll get mad or you know and and that often goes along with this work is that we find there's a a, a big lack of of boundaries so that's what led me into uh you know going i went to college actually early which of course at that time was not a thing uh, but i just i was bored with school i had a full-time job i was taking care of my family i was going to high school and i literally was i was bored so I and my high school counselor said, oh, D, you know, because my nickname is D. They, they said, D, you are not a shoe in for this program. And I felt like they were telling me that because of what was visible, you know, that my family wasn't super involved in school. They were, you know, not educated folks. So uh, I applied to four colleges, early admission. I got accepted to three. You know, so I think, again, that resiliency, you know, we build it when we have those resistances. And it was almost like when I heard her say, you're not a shoe in, I was like, watch me. <laughs> 
watch me do it. And so, you know, um, of course, I mean, and the one I didn't get into was Ivy League, which I was a stretch for me because I'm not big in math. But anyway, so the point being is that uh, I guess learning early on that resistance is okay. And that you sometimes, you know, I think when we feel fear or we feel um, resistance from other people, it can be enough to stop us. And so I think it's important to accept that, you know, and even though the work that I'll get into more is dealing with, you know, working with the subconscious to kind of neutralize the pain of like memories and emotions, patterns that we have, you know, it is also important just to acknowledge it because a lot of times what we do is we push it down and we're like, oh, no, no, I can't let myself feel that. But then we're carrying it right. We can carry it in our minds as anxiety or depression, or we can carry it in the body as well. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's where this all really started. And I had a whole career in my twenties, I ended up becoming a chef, go figure, but it, you know, I wasn't really sure what to do in school. And I started working in restaurants. And so I did that for 10 years. And then I, once again, something told me there's something, there's a shift going on here. And so I went into education, I have a 20 years in education where I went into like really helping groups change. And so that really led me to, you know, which I'll talk more about the hot seat type of coaching, which, you know, uh, going into difficult situations where things are not working well and challenging people to really ask why and to have them go deeper and, you know, discover what what might be the cause of uh you know students not learning or teaching not being effective or you know just a lack of engagement or whatever the issue was at a particular school so uh that's kind of the background to where i am and then i left that work to go and do more individual work again um but with this healing in mind rather than uh, working with the institutions and the hierarchical institutions of K-12 education here in the U.S. Um, so I've been doing this uh, kind of health and well-being work since 2018 now. So Lovely. That's really lovely, I would say. So uh, many people uh, may not be familiar with the energy healing and the intuitive hot seat coaching. So if you can explain these concepts and uh, how they contribute to this whole alignment. Okay, sure, absolutely. So um, I'll start with the hot seat coaching because that kind of connects my education uh, work to, to this work is that when you're working in a group of people, and this really works well, even just for a group of three or four or you know a little bit larger group, is that um, oftentimes people think, oh, you know, group healing, I, I don't know about that. I, you know, and people can choose to be quiet during it. And that's perfectly fine, especially if they're new to it. So if you're in a meeting, um, you are, you know, for example, like a beginning meeting working with me, I would ask people to, you know, take some breaths, to relax, to calm themselves, maybe focus on just loosening up their body and to, 
think about what the most present emotion that they have right now. Like, what is the thing that just keeps kind of sitting with you? And it could have been different this morning and right now, something else. Maybe it's anxiety over being in the group or, you know, so whatever it is, just bringing it into the awareness with compassion. So just allowing everyone to feel it. And then I would ask people to share, you know, a level. So zero being no, you know, intensity, 10 being a high level. And at the beginning, I would ask them, you know, don't pick like a nine or 10 to start because we want to practice this. So just like in, you know, kind of a traditional therapeutic session, we want to identify where you're at. So let's say it was anxiety over being there. And so people could, you know, note that if it was online, they could note it in the chat. So they don't necessarily have to speak up if they don't want to, but they can kind of just contribute in that way. Well, some, and I will invite people also, of course, to share briefly, you know, what it is and if they know what it's about or if it's just a generalized feeling and then give it a number. So by sitting there and hearing and seeing the feedback from others, um, people don't necessarily have to participate, but they're getting the inputs and that is, you know, touching on them and they may be realizing, oh, that's anxiety that I'm feeling. Yeah, she, you know, this other person just said that. And so it kind of allows you to learn along with Right. So that, you know, and I liken it to when I have, you know, uh, kids in reading groups, right? In, in the old days, we would put all the, the lower kids together. That doesn't work, right? You want a mixture. So when we have adults, it's the same thing. We're going to have more talkative adults. We're going to have shy adults. And so by having that mixture, what happens is those unwilling to talk are identifying with what they hear right so you know that is where people can gain more comfort because they're like oh i'm amongst others who feel anxiety i'm amongst others who are new to this or shy with this and so that allows um, a little bit more comfort ease and so then as the session's going on of course we're periodically checking in and seeing how people are doing and so identifying that emotion is the first step because everything is emotion right whatever we're trying to deal with in life it's emotion that wells up in us that either brings fear uh discomfort you know sometimes we don't we can't even identify but it's an intensity that slows us down and says uh don't know about this not sure about this whatever it is so by having those willing to share it can bring up a point and maybe somebody you know maybe they don't want to come on camera or say something aloud but then they'll type in the chat oh what she just said really resonates with me and now i realize this you know so it's an opportunity for me as the as the guide to be able to really put them on the hot seat for a moment and just say, well, I'd like you to consider this, you know? And so it, it it's never a point of like, oh, you're, you're on the hot seat, you've got to answer this question, but giving them another question. And that's something that I developed as an educator was using like root cause to really understand our motivation. So this is all the conscious part, right? So the hot seat coaching is a conscious tool that as we're digging into the session, and like I said, we start out with just basically trying to have people get in touch with their emotion. So that hot seat ability is there to say, why do you think that is? Or who were you being when you felt anxious like that? Like it's, because they're like, well, I feel safe here. You know, you had ground rules and all of that, but 
my anxiety feels bigger than kind of the situation. So it helps them to see that it's really linked to maybe another situation where maybe they got shamed, you know, speaking out in class when they were younger, or there's some part of them is becoming activated. And so using that sort of questioning, and it's never with the intent of like, I'm putting you on the spot, you have to answer it now. But it's like, let me give you this to kind of chew on and see what comes up. And a lot of times, you know, they'll kind of go off in the chat and they'll be like, oh, that's, yeah, I'm remembering something from third grade when my teacher shamed me in front of all the other kids and said I was dumb or, you know, something. And it's amazing how our subconscious will hold on to that. And we don't realize it is still remaining active within us so that like when things happen now in life, our anxiety is way bigger than the situation calls for at the moment. So we help people to understand that like we can access a little piece of that and we sometimes use the um, sort of the visual of an iceberg that, you know, when we are in the conscious mind, it's really the tip of the iceberg because the subconscious mind is so much bigger right if you've ever seen those videos of how massive the iceberg is underneath it's phenomenal right it's mind-blowing I, I saw something where they were you know the icebergs are like melting right so they one was tipping over and it was just you know like a boat size on the top but as it tipped over the part that came up was massive, so massive. It made like waves. And, and so we, we teach people that our subconscious mind really is like an iCloud of our life. <laughs> so if you think about really, even from the time of conception that you are experiencing things and all of those things are part of your memory. So like what your parents were going through, um, you know, when you were conceived and when your mother was pregnant with you all the way through your life, however old you are, you have these experiences in your subconscious mind and they do have a power over you because they're connected by your emotional system. Exactly. So that's kind of the basis of where that conscious and subconscious comes together and how we can, um, you know, by bringing up the most intense ones, we can help to talk through and identify those parts of ourselves that maybe are still active and that are really keeping us from knowing our, you know, our ourselves better to, you know, so I deal a lot with uh, women who are coming to a place in life where, you know, maybe they, their kids are grown, they're been doing the same work for a long time and they're just not happy or relationship change. So there, it's a life changing moment for a lot of people, right? Regardless of age, but a lot of times with women, forties, fifties and up, we end up like all of a sudden, you know, realizing that gosh, we're, we're kind of living a life of going through motions and we're not really satisfied with it. And it doesn't feel very safe many times to make a change because it's like, oh, what, you know, I don't know who I am without this marriage or without this career or without this, whatever it is, you know? So I feel that it is a, a big time of transformation in the world right now. Mm. Wow. <laughs> So, like, um, so what practical techniques uh, 
can our listeners start incorporating into their daily lives to um, begin the process of aligning with their soul's purpose? So that's, yeah, that's actually the perfect question because really it is, there's so much going on, right? That we're constantly notified of, right? Our phones are, we've got all these screens in front of us. And we do have to be mindful of the fact that with so much coming at us, it is hard to know, right? It's hard not to be a reactor to life rather than an actor in life. So, you know, the first thing I would say is mindfulness. You know, it used to be, and I mean only 10 years ago, that, you know, once in a while you would see an article about the benefits of meditation, right? But now the data and the research behind what mindfulness can do body, mind, I mean, so many things that we know the body responds to certain breathing techniques, right? We know that we can have a calming type of breath, we can have a uh, energizing kind of breath. I mean, it's just, yeah, there, there's just a huge amount of, of work behind it. So even psychologists, psychotherapists, all of that, that is what they will recommend to people with high anxiety or depression. And I like to make this, you know, sort of statement about those two things, because right now I think those are the two biggest mental health issues, right, is being overly anxious or being overly sad. And I see that as a continuum, right? So on the one hand, if you are constantly sad about something, it's usually about something that happened, right? You really don't have any control over it. So it feels very you know, just overwhelming sadness because it's like you're asking, what did that happen to me? What's wrong? You know, you're just constantly questioning the why did that happen? But you can't change it. It is what it is. And the other side is worrying so much about the future. So if you're so fearful of the future and what might happen if you make the change, or maybe even if you just stay the same, then you're stuck in anxiety, right? And and I read an article that we are a lot of us high functioning anxiety people you know we 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 don't even feel like we can relax anymore we feel like we have to work every single day and you know relaxing feels like guilty and all of that stuff so i see a huge amount of people on both ends of that spectrum and the number one thing that people can do and i'll even say this you know i give people a free call just to, to let them know what's possible to let them just let it out what's going on with them and to explain to them what we can do so i will tell them this whatever mindfulness you can do is great some people like to hear a guided meditation because they feel like their mind is ping ping pong all over the place right so i you know so that's why what inspired me to start creating the youtube channel i have called inspiring guidance and i like to keep it like 10 minutes i feel like if people could start with just 10 minutes a day where they seek to quiet their mind and just allow, you know, and, and this is the thing, I think people feel that they need to come to meditation already, you know, having all the skills. Our minds are going to jump around, that's what they do. And over time, it does slow down, right? And maybe even after meditating for decades, like myself, there are mornings where I go, okay, you know, I'm just going to let the thoughts go because they're, they're, they're coming today, you know, you know, like, I, I just can't stop them. But it's the point that you are sitting with yourself, 
Right. And so if you like to have a soothing voice, talk to you about, you know, breathing and, and just relaxing your body, that's a great way to start. But then the next level would be maybe listening to sound. Some people really get too wound up in a voice. So there's a million right uh, channels and, and um, places. And I do have some on, on my channel as well, where you can just hear the sound of rain. You can, you know, 30 minutes, you know, just one little, you know, pretty scene in the background, but you're going to probably close your eyes and just hearing soothing sounds like that can be just enough, you know, and so there are, and so I kind of listen to what do I feel today? Um, most of the time now, I don't even need the guided, but it really depends on the individual. So I tell people, try different things. There are so many meditation apps, right? I mean, 10 years ago, there was like one. And I stuck with the one that I that I love. And I did start uploading some of my tracks on there as well. And it's called Insight Timer. And you can create your own sound. So let's say maybe as a kid, you like that white noise. You know, we used to have these white noise devices. They have that sound. You can get pink noise. You can literally set the time you can set a start tone and end tone, and you can set whatever sound you want, singing bowls. I mean, we have such amazing tools to get ourselves into mindfulness. So I try to share that with people, you know, try the channels that are out there, uh, play around with it, but just set a goal of like, when I wake up, and, and this is the other thing, some people like the, our morning people like myself, so my morning is I wake up and that's the first thing I do is clear your mind because you're in already that state between sleep and waking. So it's the perfect time to really get in touch with who you are. And the other time, of course, is right before bed. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. Some people do both. I at night, I like to listen to a soothing voice. So I'll do maybe 10 minutes of a guided sleep preparation, right? But again, it doesn't matter how you do it. I've even heard some people say, you know what, I can just listen to the drone of my fan or the drone of the air conditioner. And that works as well. It doesn't have to be fancy. But the point is, our minds are ready for it. And we will have more insight and more awareness of our own guidance, whether or not we consider ourselves intuitive or highly sensitive, it doesn't really matter. There is an internal voice that if only we would listen, right? So those are our listening times. So that is what I would tell people that, you know, maybe they're, you know, um, not quite ready to try this one-on-one, -on -one, or maybe they would like to try a group first because it's a group experience. It feels a little safer. And if they're not ready for that, I tell them, just try some mindfulness and then, you know, get back in touch or, you know, try some of the videos, slow yourself down, you know, uh, create a, a space where you can really let your subconscious mind make itself a you know kind of awareness of it because that is when you know the magic really happens <laughs> that's a really lovely answer and um, so what advice would you give to someone who feels lost or disconnected from their soul's purpose and 
is also seeking a path towards the profound transformation and the alignment. Yeah, I would say that, you know, the biggest thing um, I had someone once ask me, how would you break this down to a third grader? And I said, that's perfect, because that was my first year of teaching. And I said, you know, what I would say to them is, you are not your thoughts. A lot of times, you know, if our thoughts are negative or thoughts are worried about being uh, accepted, right, as children, we, you know, even as infants, right, we want to know that our you know, our caregivers, our parents are like gods to us. So we want to please them. We want to smile. We want to engage with them. And so um, there's a great need for approval, right? Young kids uh, want their teacher's approval up to a certain age, and then they start to not care about it. But, you know, and, and I think that's why I loved third grade, because they were, you know, getting to that point where their logic was developing, but at the same time, they were still really wanting to be pleasing and, and be uh, good kids, you know. And so, um, but we often confuse our thoughts with who we are. So I would say, just be aware that you are not your thoughts, and that it is okay to feel things that don't feel okay. That is a sign that something good is trying to wake up in you, that you realize something bad is either happening or you're having a bad thought about something that did happen. It's a sign that there is something that wants to come alive in you. And it is a different way to look at challenging situations, right? To say, you know, um, that these thoughts don't have to swallow you. And I think that's where that anxiety and that depression, that continuum, I think most humans can side with one or the other. But the, the biggest problem with those feelings is that when we believe that's who we are, that's when the overwhelm, that's when it goes to, to the extreme, right? And we feel like we don't have options. So, um, and I, I love this quote by Rumi, who's like one of my favorite, um, you know, mystics. Um, and he says, uh, the hole is where the light comes in. And that really defines really what I do is to help people take whatever, you know, and I've worked with some people with some really horrible past experiences. And, but that is there for a reason there is a growth point that comes from that and if we can turn it around and say you know that happened to me but that's not who i am and if we don't look at it that way we get swallowed by it and so i would say that you know we all have a history we all have you know an ancestry you know some people have slave ancestry some people have you know uh, like scarcity mindset from their family and they wonder why gosh you know i can do well for a while in my life and then all of a sudden i have nothing again and so we don't realize that even mindsets can be carried on in families and generations and so that's one of the things that when you know in education that i would work all the time with groups of people is like i would give them carol dweck's assessment on do you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset because if you go in, for example, to a school that has been failing for a long time to educate students at the, you know, uh, to read or write uh, or do math, you might just believe it's not possible. So if you are the, the, the professional in the room and you believe these kids can't do it, guess what? 
your belief becomes the reality and you sort of set your sights lower. So that's what I would find is that people had low expectations. And guess what? The kids, the staff, everyone rose to those low expectations. And so when you question that, and, and this is where, you know, root cause was really what made me very successful at that work, because why, you know, why do you believe that? Well, you know, the parents don't have books at home. Okay. Well, why is that the child's fault? You know, like just continue to ask why to get to the bottom of the fact that you are the, per you are the professional, you have these students more than the parents have them at home. So what are you doing with that time? Holding a low expectation or finding how you can connect with them to find out who they really are? Because that was often the thing is that, you know, a teacher would recycle the same lessons year after year and the same kids would do well. <laughs> the same kids would fail. Well, clearly you're not looking at who you have, right? And of course it's easier when you have just 10 kids, like I did in my first year, I had 15 kids. I knew them inside and out and I got to every single one to find what is going to motivate them. And, you know, oh, you should have seen the, uh, the reactions that I got. Oh, you want me to stand on my head and do a show? No, I just want you to do your job. Your job is to find out what motivates them, get them excited to learn and engage every single one of them in the learning so that they all have the opportunity to succeed. And so, you know, there would be times and this is where that hot seat comes in, where I would tell people you are free to get up and leave if you need a break. <laughs> You can't have crosstalk, right? You can't be like, bleh, 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 you know, but I would have people laugh, cry, leave. And sometimes they would address me later privately and say, you know, do you think that maybe I should consider doing something else? Yes, because something inside of you when I'm asking all these hard questions is saying, oh, I don't think I can do this. I don't think this is right for me anymore. And you know what? 30 years ago, educators were white middle-class women now all of a sudden they're trying to teach a diverse broad you know in many of the schools i was at there were over 80 percent that weren't speaking english so now you need a whole different set of tools and they just were not willing to go there so it's the same thing today with you know individuals and with mental health the mental health is in a crisis mode because we're trying to use the old tools to solve these new problems that we have. And so if all we're looking at is what we've done in the past, that subconscious iCloud of all of the experiences and we keep recycling them and they're not working, then I say, what, you know, that's where, do you have a growth mindset? Are you willing to open up? Or do you wanna just maybe, you know, go teach in a different environment? Nothing against that. Everybody needs to learn. But I will tell you that the kids who were making it, they would have made it whether they showed up to your class or not, right? They were already came to school with some tools, some privileges, let's face it, right? So it's the same thing here. There are people who are able to step out of like traditional therapies, try alternatives, but we all know they're not free. And sometimes they're not accessible to everyone. So what's beautiful about this is once you learn this process of accessing these deeper parts of your subconscious, you can talk to yourself 
to your subconscious parts. And this is the interesting thing is that, excuse me, that um, we may have a part of us, like I use the example of school, being shamed in school, right? That part of us, our conscious mind doesn't know that that's not appropriate anymore to have that level of anxiety. But if we identify that part, and that's where the, the first few sessions, the subconscious mind of everyone in the session learns that we can talk to you, we can address you, we can say, hey, subconscious, do you see that intense anxiety that happened because X, Y, and Z, this happened back in third grade, whatever it was, um, let's neutralize it. Let's help that part of us to understand that we don't need it to have that reaction anymore. We're safe. We are not feeling guilty. We are not feeling stupid. We are this grown adult right now. And we don't need to have that level of reaction. Let's replace it with a positive more, you know, and so I, and I wouldn't use this visualization and say, let's let that part, you know, let's thank it for helping protect us, right? From feeling that shame before, but let's ask it to get in the back seat. It can stay with us. It's always going to be a part of us, but it doesn't need to be making decisions anymore. <laughs> it doesn't need to be creating reactions anymore. So, you know, and that's a whole, that's all based on. So a lot of this work is based on neuro-linguistic programming that we can talk to and reprogram our brain. And the other parts theory is based on family systems therapy, which is that there are parts of us that develop in trauma and it doesn't, you know, necessarily has to mean child abuse trauma. It can be little things that happen to us that really hurt us deeply, you know, like the shaming in the classroom or, or something more serious. And so when we can identify and bring that emotion up, we can help those parts to calm, to soothe, and to understand you are not or your thoughts. You are not your feelings. That was a part of you that, you know, thank you, but we don't need you to to jump in here and be reactionary anymore. So that's kind of how, you know, the subconscious and the conscious. And so the subconscious is actually they have found is such a faster processor than the conscious mind. And that is why we get tripped up and we get stuck because, you know, uh, even like people that are trying to get out now and meet people, right? There's like, a lot of people got hermited from COVID. Now you're trying to get out in the world and you're feeling a lot of anxiety about it, okay. but that we can neutralize that and you can go out there with a different energy. You know, if you go out there feeling very, oh, I don't know about that, you know, then all of that just immediately comes up in your conscious mind. It doesn't know the difference. So that's why that, that key s statement is, you know, you're not your thoughts. And you do have the power to learn this technique and actually say those things out loud or in your mind to help neutralize the intensity of your emotions and, you know, really making space for you to um, create something new in your life, some change that you want to make. And, uh, and yeah, so that is what I love to share with people. And great. That's really so great. Uh, and thanks for sharing these things. And uh, and that brings us to the end of this 
another enlightening episode of Healthy Mind Life. <laughs> so I, I believe all of you have found today's discussion with Dennis as inspiring and transformative as I did. So uh, her insight into soul's alignment and uh, the subconscious healing have truly opened our eye, I mean, eyes and the minds to the <laughs> incredible potential for the personal transformation that lies within each of us. So uh, always remember that the journey to uh, the soul alignment is a deeply personal one, but the guidance and the wisdom shared by Dennis today uh, you are equipped with powerful tools and the insights to embark on your own path towards a healthier mind and a more fulfilling life. So if you have found value in today's episode, please do like do us a favor and share it with anyone or someone you think could benefit from her wisdom. So together we can help more people discover their true selves and align with their soul's purpose. So do not forget to subscribe to Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. And also you never miss an episode filled with empowering discussions like this one. So uh, thank you for tuning in today. And always remember that your journey towards a healthier mind and a healthier life begins with one small step. So until next time, take care, stay curious and keep exploring the incredible potential that resides within us. So thank you so much. Thank you.